I'd not had sex in so long that I thought I'm going to be in pain afterwards. Uh, and I didn't okay. want to have the pain after. And I'm going to ache. Uh, you know, is he going to put too much weight on my stomach? Is that going to hurt? Because yeah. I've still got my scar and that's still healing. And But it was it was gentle. It was loving. And it felt right because I was ready. Welcome to the Ostomy Podcast, a series for ostomates where we tackle the topics that affect your life from nutrition and exercise to relationships, sex and self-confidence. You'll hear Ostomates sharing real-life experiences, supported with advice from lifestyle experts and our very own team of nurses. This podcast is created by Fittleworth, one of the largest home delivery services of medical devices like stoma pouches and catheters. We're here to help you reconnect with yourself and live life to the full. Hello and welcome to our podcast series for ostomates that aims to answer the questions that those with a stoma want the answers to most, and maybe even the questions you didn't know to ask. My name's Charlene Douglas. I'm a relationship therapist that works with individuals and couples. So in this episode, we're diving straight in at the deep end and talking about sex when you have a stoma. So I'm joined in the studio by Justine, a married mum of one who's been living with a stoma now for 18 months. Welcome, Justine. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Lovely to have you here. So, Justine, can you tell me a little bit about your own stoma journey? I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 1998, but I'd, I'd been suffering with um, symptoms for six or seven years and couldn't get a response. It was all in my head. It's irritable bowel, eat more fibre. You're, you're making it up. It's all stress-related. I lost six stone in six months and my husband marched me to the doctors and said, this is not normal. Right. There's something wrong. So the first thing you think of, oh, I've got stomach problems. I've got bowel cancer. I'm going to die. I'm 24. I've got a small child. Mm. That's it. I'm dead. Mm. I got, uh, had to go to hospital, a local general hospital. Had a barium meal, which wasn't very pleasant. Right. Back way, way, way before they even considered giving MRIs and things. Yeah. Um, the technician's prodding my stomach and he's going, oh, making some very strange. That doesn't look right. That doesn't look right noises. By the time we'd driven the 25 miles home, I'd missed two phone calls, one from the GP and one from the hospital saying, you need to come back tomorrow. Mm. We need you in. And what was that like for you when you received those phone calls? We just looked at each other and I said, that's it. I've, mm. I've got bowel cancer, I'm dying. This, that's the only explanation for this weight loss. We went into the, the room with the consultant and she said, you've got Crohn's disease, at which point I laughed. And did you know much about Crohn's disease at that point? I thought it was just a poo-in disease where right. you just had to keep going to the toilet. Yeah. 20, where are we, 27, 20 odd years later? It's not, it's insidious. It's there, mm. it's constantly there. Even when I'm in remission, it's there. And so if we fast forward, um, three bowel resections, a temporary stoma, which I hated. And at that point, the surgeon at my local hospital said, I can't do anything more for you. He sent me to, I was already under Royal, Host, Royal London, um, here in London. And yeah. the surgeon there said, mm, I'm not sure either. You, you've, you've basically got a rectum that's been completely eaten away by the Crohn's disease. He said, so we need to do something. I'm not going to do it. 
my boss is going to do it and introduced me to a fantastic surgeon by the name of Mr. Christopher Chan, yeah. who had got a year's waiting list. And this was even before COVID. So wow. he said, we're, we're looking at a year to maybe two. Okay. So, so it sounds like that, that, it, that you were just sort of thrown into the yeah. deep end here. Here you are, a young woman, married. Yeah. So with this your partner. Was, yeah, um, yeah. I'd been with Kevin... 27 years this month oh, and or married 27 years and he's been with me at every single appointment he was with me when the surgeon said you've got one or two options you have nothing done and you don't make your 50th or we do this surgery and you will see your 50th right so you really didn't have much no. of a choice but it sounds like it's I'd imagine quite a shock for you to to get that kind of yeah, diagnosis I mean, and be given with these options. I, I've, I'm, I was used to surgery anyway. So like I said, I'd had three huge bowel resections and lost a massive chunk of small bowel. Mm. And then to be faced with, we're going to take your anus, your rectum, all of your co large colon and another chunk of small bowel and you're going to basically crap in a bag for the rest of your life right having had the horrible experience of a temporary stoma back in 2013 mm. it was the journey home from the hospital in tears because i've had this news and also the the pain of sitting so sitting for any longer than an hour at a time was unbearable it would be mm. eye-wateringly painful and i said to my husband well this is the answer isn't it this this has told me that i need to have this surgery yeah so you're given this news yeah. And of course, today we're talking about sex and intimacy. What kind of impact does that then have on you when it comes to feeling good about yourself and, well, and being intimate with your partner? We, Our sex life took a huge nosedive, um, even before surgery, because mm. with fistulating Crohn's in the anus, you, you get anal discharge, you get fistulas that go into your vaginal wall, which I had. And so it makes any sort of wanting to feel sexy or intimacy with this man who's been with me since I was 20. Mm. He's, he's been great. He's been like, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We, we can be comfortable with each other in other ways. But you're still a human and you're still female and you still want to have sex. But when your body just doesn't work as it should or you mm -hmm. feel dirty... And you can't be spontaneous because you've got to go and make sure that everything's clean. Yeah. It kind of just killed it dead. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is that your partner was really supportive. Oh, so yeah. he made you feel special and loved and like yes. no change. Like no. still very much attracted to you. But you then had to do the work on yourself to feel feel sexy yeah, to yeah, feel good course. about yourself. Yeah. And what were what were some of the things that you did to kind of feel good about yourself? Um, in those sort of early, in the early times. Be so before surgery, it would be making sure I've had a, a nice relaxing bath and that mm. our, our adult child left home to go to university and moved out. So it made things a little bit freer. So you weren't like, oh, it's Sunday night. It's time to have a quick, you know, they're asleep, get it on yeah. kind of stuff, touch. <laughs> and so you'd, you'd spend the time of making sure you'd had a nice clean bath, feeling relaxed. And mm. there was no pressure from him. So if, if, yeah. if I didn't want to... It didn't happen. It was me that always instigated because he knew that that would be, okay, you're ready, you you want to, mm. and you're in a, in a safe space where you feel that you can. And so he's he's been fantastic. I mean, poor bloke. 
Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's quite a shock for the two of you. Yeah. But, you know, because you had a strong foundation, you were able to kind of call upon that during this really difficult time. What was it like for you, sort of the first time you saw yourself naked? What what did that feel like? After surgery. After surgery, yeah. Um, The first, when I had my first stoma, I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to touch it. I didn't want to do anything. Mm. I'm very anti. This time round, because I knew... There was no other choice. There was no other way of treating me. Yeah, You've got to get this surgery done. And I kind of woke up and was like, oh, okay, I've had the surgery. I didn't have any pain. Might've been the fentanyl, but I didn't have any pain. Yeah, And I was like, right, when's the stoma nurse coming? I want to get this, I need to see the new stoma. I need to see where it's positioned. And because this time around I saw the stoma nurse before I had surgery, we positioned the stoma where I wanted it, uh, not where the previous surgeon had decided it needed to go. So it was in a better place. Yeah. And, and did that make you feel more in control? Yes, I, I had controlled where, what side and how low down and, right. and that, side, that side of things. Yeah. And Sergio was there. My poor Sergio's your stoma. (laughs) Most of us call our stomas something. Yeah. Um, I couldn't really get out of bed for two weeks after surgery. I was just not completely drained. Mm. But getting getting home and standing in front of my mirror in my bedroom is a big step, but you have to accept it Mm. fairly quickly to be comfortable with your new body shape. Yeah. So it sounds like you have had to do the work yep. to to accept what's happening here to your body. And, you know, I suppose from a logical point of view, this has saved your life. Yes. This has, has caused you less pain. So it's more bearable on a day to day basis. But you then still have to navigate kind of intimacy yes. within within that space. And that sounds like something that was really um, maybe challenging to some extent. Yeah, to begin you. with, because... You're laying there in bed with the man that you've been with forever. He still loves you. He tells you he loves you. He still finds you attractive. He says, you know, you're you're still my sexy wife. And I go, no, I'm not. You know, me. And then I'll say, no, you are. And I'm like, but I've got a bag of poo on my stomach. And he's like, but you're here. Right. And that's powerful, isn't yeah. it? You are in our bed and you are with me. Yeah. So that, I d- no problems with that. And I was like, okay. And that that takes a while in the mm. the accepting yourself through somebody else's eyes. Yeah. But he's always been been there. Mm. Just my question a question that's come to me around, I suppose as as I call it, sex with yourself. Now, we know that masturbation isn't for everyone, you know, so there will be some listeners listening in that will be like, oh, my gosh, is she just saying that word out aloud when I'm driving in the car? Or <laughs> so we'll whisper the word masturbation or we call it solo pleasure. So would you say that masturbation helped you to rediscover yourself and gave you the confidence when you were with Kevin? Yes, it, it was nice because I thought, oh, the nerve endings do still work down there. Mm. You know, there is still that little bit of a tingle, whereas I was concerned having had that surgery that all of that was going to go. Yeah. Because I know from a male perspective, you can end up impotent and I did not want to be impotent for want of a better description Mm. in myself. So a solo pleasure to start with, yeah, things do still work down there. Yeah. So, And that must be quite a scary thing when you're going through 
this type of journey where you think, okay, what happens if I don't feel that sexual desire anymore, if sexual arousal doesn't happen for me? You know, because it sounds like that was quite an important part of your life. Yeah, it is. You know, it always has been, and I hope it always is. Although he still reckons we'll be doing it in our 70s, and I'm like, (laughs) no, we won't. (laughs) Let's talk about sex itself, so penetrative sex. So... What was that first conversation like for you? That was actually led by the consultant, uh, one of the pre-ops. And he, he did say, sex may be difficult, it may be different, it may, mm. you may not want to have sex ever again. And we kind of looked at each other. <laughs> and what was that like for you to hear that? I was like, oh, but I'm only 47. Mm. You know, I'm not dead, I'm not empty from the waist down. It was like, okay. Yeah. Um, and they're very interested after surgery. Have you had sex? Have oh. you started to have sex? Was that one of the first questions? One of the that first questions are at six weeks. I was yeah. Like, no, not quite. But because Kevin's there with me, mm. he we just chuckled and when he left, he went, "Well, are we going to then?" I was like, "Yeah, we might, mm. <laughs> but not just not just yet. Let's give it yeah. a couple more weeks." And he, I said to him one evening. I think I might be ready. Shall we give it a go? And his response was, only if you are sure that you feel ready. Mm. Did that give you the reassurance that you needed? Yes, definitely. Yeah, because I didn't feel under any pressure Yeah. to be fully glammed up in all my niggly wigglies, you know, and getting yeah. down and, and sexy. It was just kind of like, well, shall we then? Yeah, if you're all right, then yeah. okay, let's. And we did. And then on that <laughs> night? Or yeah. <laughs> So straight away after yeah. the conversation. Good. So it sounded, and that's fantastic because it sounded like that conversation helped you to feel at ease. Yes. Which of course we know is really important with sex. You do need to feel relaxed in order to really let go and enjoy yes. and connect with your partner. So that conversation helped. And then you then got into the having the sex. Yeah. Now, of course, you don't have to give us you know, verse and chapter in terms of what no, happened. My child might listen to this. <laughs> so you can share as much as you feel comfortable sharing. But could you tell us a little bit about what that experience was like in terms of, you know, Kev seeing your body for the first time, the first time that you tried penetrative sex, or, you know, were there times where certain things felt painful and what what was that like for you from a psychological point of view? Um, because before the surgery... We'd had to use lubrication just because stuff was just uncomfortable. You know, I I, I was inflamed and sore down there, not just in my vagina, but because of the pain in my rectum and my anus. So that was always used. We didn't need to use it this time round, which was kind of like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was quite a nice moment. It was like, don't need to reach for that then. (laughs) Um, But it's... It did. It did feel felt normal, but it felt different. Yeah, you know, it's it felt like the old us, but it also felt new because it had been such a long time. He was nervous. I was nervous. I think that's the the joy of having the same bloke laying next to you for the last however many years. Yeah. That it was just like I will say riding a bike because. <laughs> I like that though. <laughs> it's just like, oh, well, we're back at it then. 
Yeah. And then there's that, oh my God, he thinks because we've done it once. You know, like when you're in a first part of a relationship and mm. you, you you take that first step, don't you? And you think, oh, I can't rein this back in. And it's like, well, there's no pressure. I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to have to do it this week again. You know, it's just, so that felt nice. So the, the weight and the, was off my shoulders. It was like, okay, we've done it once. So if I don't do it again for another month, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So do you feel, I mean, that's interesting how you said that there, because what you've said is that it felt, it felt good. Yes. So there was pleasure there. Yes. And you felt comfortable with one another, but there was still that anxiety around, am I going to have to do this again? Yeah, because I've not had sex in so long that I thought I'm going to be in pain afterwards. Uh, and I didn't okay. want to have the pain after. And I'm going to ache. Uh, you know, is he going to put too much weight on my stomach? Is that going to hurt? Because yeah. I've still got my scar and that's still healing. And and But it was it was gentle. It was loving. And it felt right because I was ready. But we'd had that conversation. It wasn't, you know, we didn't put it in the diary. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And it was all done basically off the back of the conversation with the consultant of, so have you ha- had intimate relations with each other yet? And you go, oh, right. So we are allowed then. <laughs> you yeah. know, it was almost like being told you can. And it was almost like a, a, a rediscovering each other because we hadn't had sex for so long. So it was it was quite nice actually. It's 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 like oh we're starting out again. Mm. Perhaps this time you won't have a nosebleed the first time we do it, Kev. You know that sort of touch. But <laughs> did you have a nosebleed the, the first time we ever did? <laughs> was that nerves? Perhaps? Yeah, yeah, very bad nerves. Bless him. Oh, <laughs> he'll hate me for saying that. So you didn't have a nose nosebleed the first time after surgery? For no, you. no, 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 no. <laughs> he just went, "Are you all right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah <I'm> fine." <laughs> so he was concerned about. Yeah, he didn't your want to exp- hurt me. Yeah, he did not want to hurt me. He right. did not want to be putting too much pressure on my stomach. He yeah. didn't want to be the cause of me crying in pain. Mm. And he, I think it was he was probably more nervous than I was because I knew how my body felt. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's all I ever want, isn't it? That's all you can ask for, isn't it? A partner that supportive and isn't expecting you to be bumping and grinding two or three days <laughs> after having major surgery. Yeah, and and of course there might be listeners where that is their experience, or maybe yeah. their partners aren't as open and as supportive as Kevin has been. What would your advice be to to those women that are experiencing those types of situations? Um probably try and explain to their partner Mm. male or female that this my body has changed my body has been through a trauma it's going to be different but there is some fun in waiting and rediscovering each other because at some point you'll be back to where you were pre-surgery you may even be in a better place pre-surgery because you've gone through this together and it's probably the one thing that he can share with me where he can't share the trauma my body's been through but he can share with me um rediscovering sex and intimacy with his wife and that's that's actually brings a closeness and I think we're probably closer than we were previously yeah because we've been through this together yeah, I think that's a really powerful message, really, because I suppose a real test of a relationship is that you can go through something yeah. like this, but you can grow as a couple and you can become closer 
than ever. Yeah. And I think for so many couples that haven't been through any kind of trauma in their relationship, maybe their relationship is quite the same. Yeah. You know, but it sounds like your relationship has grown and you've become closer and more vulnerable with each other as well. Yeah, I mean, we've always been very vulnerable and open and, you know, that's I think that comes with being together for forever. It does feel like forever. <laughs> in a nice way. A good forever. A, a good forever. But... It's a shared experience, isn't it? I think mm. shared experiences are quite important in a relationship. And I think that does tighten the bonds, you know. So, yes, I am very fortunate. He's very fortunate. He's with me. But I'm also <laughs> very fortunate I'm with him. Yeah. And we had a conversation before I came to do this. And he was like, but what, what happens if you're not in that sort of relationship? And I said to him, but thankfully I'm not. And I've got you with me. And we, we do this together. We've always done it together. Yeah. So so you speak, you've spoken a lot about the relationship that you have yeah. with Kevin and how well you communicate. Were there any times where it felt quite difficult to communicate what you wanted from him? Um, no, I think because, like I said, we've grown and we've gone through this together. He He can tell by looking at me after me having Crohn's and being ill for so long if I'm just not receptive mm. and I and that would just be a look a roll and a raise of an eyebrow and he will back off right and I appreciate that some women might be in relationships where that isn't the case I'd say to partners of females who have had stoma surgery you have to allow them to lead the way and tell you and guide you when they are ready. So that it's enjoyable for both of you. Because it's not going to be enjoyable if one of you, if your partner's laying on the bed crying in pain. Right. And it's being forced upon them. It's not a shared experience. It's not pleasurable. Yeah. And just allow them time to say, I think tonight I might like to give it a go. And if it doesn't work, fine, leave mm. it. Try again later. That's really, really good advice. And I know that there are people listening out there that really feel like they need sex to connect with their partner. You know, we know for other people, they need to feel connected to have sex. Yeah. But for so many people, they need sex, in inverted commas, to, you know, to, to feel connected to their partner. And I suppose for people like that, where that's their go-to... Yeah when your partner's going through something like this, you probably then have to find a different way to connect with your partner yeah. when maybe sex isn't on the cards. And when I say sex, I'm talking penetrative sex yeah. because, of course, you know, sex is a massive umbrella. There's so much that's involved with sex, isn't there? So massages, sex quiz cards, you know, there's all these other things that you can do. But I think there's so much focus on penetrative sex. Yeah. You know, if you don't have penetrative sex, then, you know, you don't have a good relationship. And I think what you've shown us is that actually you can have a fantastic relationship and you could do things differently. Yeah. You can still have a lot of fun and it can still work really well. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Justin, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. It has been so enlightening listening to your story. A real inspiration. We all need a Kevin in our life. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely I'm not do. sharing him. <laughs> no, just for you. <laughs> but he sounds like he's been so supportive as well. So I wish you the very best on your journey. And thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. 
So I'm afraid that's all we have time for in this first episode. Justine, thank you so much for joining me and speaking so candidly about your experiences and advice. You're welcome. (laughs) You really have been thrown at the deep end, but I've no doubt that your honesty will really help listeners who want an insight into all aspects of life with a stoma. The good, the bad, and sometimes the awkward. This isn't a straightforward journey for anyone and sex for everyone is different. So it's about finding what works for you. We'd love for you, the listeners, to get in touch and let us know the questions and topics you'd like to hear covered in our podcast. If you do have any questions or you'd like to put yourself forward as a guest for a future episode, then see the show notes about how you can get in touch. So listeners, join us next time. You were listening to the Ostomy Podcast, brought to you by Fittleworth and Charlene Douglas and produced by Shoot. If you've been affected by any of the topics raised in this episode, you'll find a range of free access support lines in the show notes. For further information and advice on living with a stoma, please visit fittleworth.com, where you'll find a variety of support packs covering a whole host of topics. And if you're listening on Spotify, make sure you subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Thanks for listening.